0: The content in this podcast is meant for mature audiences only, 18 and up, as some of it may be difficult to listen to. Continuing to listen to this content releases Rest, Virginia Dixon, from All Liability. everyone to the Rest Podcast, where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion, chaos, and dis-ease in order to heal and find significance in life. I am your host, Natalie Williams, and I am here with the author of The Reconstitution Method for Healing and Rest, Virginia Dixon. This
1: conversation that we're about to have is important because the backbone of of our healing model is our capacity to govern three kingdoms, three spheres of influence, the spirit, our soul, and the consequence it has in our body. So sometimes we just have to identify the fight. Yeah, We have to identify what we're really talking about. And there's no other way to speak about hell than to talk about what hell looks like. Mm -hmm. And to some extent, we all intuitively understand it. We're born into this. yeah, And that's a beautiful thing. We understand that. Okay, check. Mm -hmm. Then to understand that we're fighting demons, and the demons have form, structure, names. But not all demons have form, structure, and names. Some of them are of our own making, Mm -hmm. and some of them we've inherited. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And... The invitation of this most unusual man that lived 2,000, what, 22 years ago, (laughs) who stepped into time Mm -hmm. and said, I came to reconcile this conflict between these kingdoms of heaven, the kingdom of God that indwells man, and the kingdom of the world, Mm -hmm. evidenced by our body, right? Mm -hmm. But the kingdom of God, I think, he referenced as being part of the soul Because this is a center sphere where the mind, the heart, the will, the conscience will govern this kingdom. And this is where King Heaven comes and indwells a person. And these inner chambers of the soul. So to have somebody like Riley to watch the transformation you and I have watched and to see what we have seen is nothing but remarkable. And it should give us strength and courage to persevere no matter how dark the hell that we have to face is. No matter how terrifying the demons we have to encounter are, this person invites us into an experience, right? That says, Come to me, all who are weary. Of course, this is exhausting and burden. Look at the stuff we talked about. Is that burdensome and heavy laden? And I will give you rest for your mind, your heart, your will, your conscience, your feelings. I will give you rest for your soul. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Come and what? Be free. Mm-hmm. Be free. These are laws of nature, things that are self-evident and speak to our natural affections. You say, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in Christ. I don't believe that is. That's okay. The things we talked about today, hell is common to our human experience. Demon are something we all encounter. You hear people talk about them all the time, whether they believe in God or not. And rest is a thing we all long, is a place, is a place we all long for. Mm -hmm. So we've been talking a little bit about stages of healing and we began with a theme that is the fruit of a a conversation we had on the way to the office the other day. And you were reflecting back on the last two years, two and a half years, and we just said, what you're describing, Riley, is like living in hell. Yeah. And fighting demons, you said. yep but stepping into rest and finding peace and faith and freedom. And I thought, there's the framework of this little booklet, this book that I want to inspire and motivate you to really write, because I think it speaks to the voice of a generation. But today, I want to talk about this conversation of fighting demons. And that came with the reality that you are being tormented by shame. That's what they do, right? Our demons destroy us, and the demons in our lives reduce us to nothing. Some demons are of the negativity and the shame we speak to ourselves, some we've inherited, and others are without bodies that we've opened portals in our life and given them access to us. And I would not be having this conversation with the boldness that I intend to have were it not for working with you and several other people, but I'd say you were the most serious case that I encountered. Let's talk about the demons that come with the sins of commission. The the demons that we invite because of the poor decisions we make and we know we're making those poor decisions when we make them but nevertheless we open the doors of really dark stuff in our lives and those bad decisions come back to haunt us and speak things back to us that are awful and terrible and every one step forward we take it feels like we're taking 20 back speak to those demons first
2: I have so many thoughts in my head right now I'm trying to organize them well, just thinking about the first year here, we said that was living in hell, right? And,
1: and, now, and recap that in your own words.
2: Living in hell in terms of I just felt completely powerless to everything that was happening to me as we were getting all of this junk and all the trash out, which it is part of the healing process. I felt hopeless most of the time. I felt like things were never going to get better. I felt like I was stuck in where I was forever. And it kind of makes me think of the book that I'm reading that you keep mentioning. The book is called The Boy Who Was Raised as a Dog. And I don't really feel fully qualified to give commentary on it because I'm only well, a quarter of the way through. Well,
1: it's your opinion. Yeah, has my value. opinion.
2: But I'm only a quarter of the way through, so I don't have a full picture of everything. But it's about this child psychiatrist who has background's in neuroscience but he just talks about some of the most gnarly cases that he's worked with and this takes place in you know the 80s 90s kind of in the beginning of all of that and people when they were really just starting to discover that there's so much more to the psychology of a child than just symptoms but there was a part that whenever I was reading it, I was like, oh my gosh, that's how I feel like what has made my experience being at the villa and going through rest. He talks about that some of the most therapeutic experiences do not take place in therapy, but naturally occurring in healthy relationships. And I feel like the time that I was here with you and you just constantly being that stable, consistent relationship in my life I don't even know how Well to rest is it. about
1: rest is about helping people heal in the context of relationship the relationship they step into with themselves the relationship they stepped in step into with each other and the relationship we step into with God. Right. So it is the in the context of the very thing he's writing about you're saying that the most healing, healing thing for all, the all of these children
2: thing. was having stable healthy relationships in their life that ultimately ultimately determined what direction they were going to go on years after their trauma
1: and that's what we do though but but that's the, your point is so well taken and i can see why that stood out and the reason i wanted you to comment on this is because that's what rest is about yeah it's about healing the relationships the, the thing that's complex and integrative and it's complex because it's integrated is how we teach people to step into that relationship with themselves yeah. so then they can step into relationship with others and with god
2: And I feel like that's been my whole journey over this last second year of being here is really trying to understand not only myself, but my relationship with God and all of the shame that you had just mentioned of me being tormented by. That's what I feel like I'm fighting every single day. All of my sins and things of the past is a constant in my mind. And so every day it's a constant battle of what voice am I going to listen to?
1: You find words now, though. You have words you never had. So you're, you're winning the battle. You're gaining territory back. You're gaining territory in mind, heart, will, conscience, and feelings. I can see that you're gaining real estate. Real estate. Yeah, you have more real estate now. That's right. I want to talk a little bit about the sins. By the way, sins are conflicts we have within ourselves when we violate our conscience. So those are sins of commissions. There were a lot of decisions made that you knew opened portals to dark things. And you talked about the shame component, and that was beautiful. It was beautifully illustrated. Because the way to heal the shame component from those sins of commission are by establishing healthy grounds of relationships with people and community. And it just so happens at rest, we of course do that and integrate that, not just with us and the team and the staff and other patients and things and the community that we build of rest, but the starting point is always me helping you understand that the community you need to build trust and relationship with is between your spirit, within your soul, your mind, your heart, your will, your conscience, your feelings, there's community for you. There's five components of community there that I need to help you understand, and then of course your body, and then we're talking about the brain, we're talking about cardiovascular system, lymphatic system, and the, the consequence of some of this trauma and it has on our bodies, and I don't want to get into that too much because again, Natalie, to our listening audience, if you go to our on-demand. Segment, and I'm going to say this in almost every single podcast go to the on demand classes. You'll have context for many of the things that we talk over, yeah, address and mention, but we don't elaborate too much. So please do that. Go to the on demand classes. But Riley, I want you to talk a little bit now about the conflicts that we have from omission, from things we disregard. You talked a little bit about that in the podcast, but things we want to sweep under the carpet. I don't want to deal with that yet. I remember, Riley, there were many times when you said, I don't want to talk about that. Well, that's okay. I know you don't want to talk about that, but because you don't want to talk about that doesn't mean you don't need to. So a practitioner like me isn't really concerned so much about you resisting that. I'm more concerned about Helping you understand the need. I mention that all the time. No, I know what people want. I'm just looking for what they need. Right. And then how to get them to walk from the want to the need. Yeah. That's what I do with rest. So I want you to talk about omission for a little bit. That's what I don't want to talk about that disregard, avoid that. Did That's I do a boundary. That often? You did it all the time. Do I still do that? No. No, it's a matter of fact. Now you'll Come up to me and say things like, you know, I don't want to say this, but I know I need to, because now you know what's on the other side is freedom. So now you catch the things you want to omit. You catch them yourself and you bring them to yourself, to God, and then to me. And that is the appropriate order of things for healing. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. That's why Natalie says your entire countenance has changed. Yeah. You you speak differently, you look differently, everything's different. But at the time, I want people listening. How did you sweep things under the carpet? How did you disregard things? How did you hide them? It was McCall stepping out of time and going into heaven that ultimately caused you to say, "Wait a minute, I got to stop this." Mm-hmm. Because I'm in a spiral. Was it fear? Was it shame? Was it anger? That made me sweep things under, under the, the rug. carpet. Yeah, The conflicts of omission. We just don't want to deal with this.
2: I mean, I think a lot of it was definitely fear and shame. And I mean, for so long, for most of my life, I had a secret life that no one knew about. And I had an image to obtain. And to maintain. And to maintain. Huh? And, to maintain. Mm-hmm. and I think just the shame of people knowing that not wanting people to know what you truly
1: really are. That's exhausting to maintain that lifestyle alone. It's exhausting. Yeah. You know that firsthand, not because you did it, but you watched people do I it. I watched mentally. so many people do it.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: But even when you consciously, you know, are brushing these things under still subconsciously, I just feel like I got to a point, And even throughout the last two and a half years, I was still trying to subconsciously just, mm-hmm brush things under but they would always ruminate in the back of my mind and over this last year and we talk about this a lot the things that i refuse to deal with or that i even open myself up to every now and then has significant consequences not only on my conscience but on my body and i don't know if that's because I'm held to a higher standard now because of the things I've seen and witnessed. But anytime I do anything that I know has the potential to sear my conscience, I immediately have fear thinking about how is that going to manifest and affect my body.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I love it. And that's the journey of healing. And you just explained it so beautiful. But one's going to win. Either the flesh that I want, the I need, I deserve, the flesh is going to get what it wants. Or the will is going to say, Not today. Today, I'm going to show you how happy and healthy and good we can feel when I call the shots, not you. I'm eternal. I will transcend time. And we have a lot of proof of that. And I, my job is to take care of you and keep you clean, right? Yeah. And so when you have that housekeeping mentality with those impulses and urges, Dr. Charles Kraft says it best. And he said when we're talking about demons, those of our own making, those of our own imagination, and those that are real, people without bodies that want control over us. When we're talking about demons, you got to look at, at the process of healing like the home of a hoarder, if you will. I like that example. And if you see that you want this property, that it has value. You for whatever reason you want to acquire it, the first thing you do is you're not gonna go in and start trying to decorate or fix or clean or paint the outside. The first thing you're gonna do is clean everything out. You gotta get all the trash out. Mm -hmm. And when you start getting all the trash out, I love what you said. It's vile. There's dead animals, there's rotten food, there is clothes and things that have been consumed and eaten by rodents by uninvited guests mm-hmm. and some left, some stayed, but it's imperative before you move in, you got to get everything out and clean it out. Now, something interesting happens by the way, when you get everything out, you can start the reconstruction process, but sometimes you find that there's rodents and there's things and the house is contaminated beyond repair. Yeah. And that's when we're dealing with those personalities, people without bodies, demons, their entities, They have a mind, will of their own, and they don't have a body, so they need a body to inhabit. And that is the best way to describe the last, the tangible, physical demons that sometimes we had to face, you and I face. We have, I think, 14, 15 names that I never wanted to know. And I saw what they did to you. I saw what they did to their body. I saw them manifest. It was horrific experience. And it didn't happen in the middle of the day. It happened between two and three in the morning, right? By the grace of God, and as providence of God would have it, this encounter with you came after the fires we had here in the canyon and then the floods that came. So this huge facility here and these grounds were absolutely charred. The thing that protected the actual structure to some extent were the oak trees that surrounded us. But by and large, the fire of hell literally came near and almost consumed us. It was a horrific thing to What witness. I want
0: to point out, though, what was amazing was that what was it? Over three hundred firemen actually used the grounds here mm-hmm. as their base. Yeah, they did. So there was like a almost a perfect
1: circle around the house. Yeah, that was and our street. Yeah, and the canyon. It was an amazing. It's yeah. a great story. The beauty in the ashes again, like yes. a call story, right? But Riley came a few weeks after that. Yeah, and because I saw scratches on her. And I saw things that she couldn't have done and they were claw marks Yeah, and it was horrific Mm -hmm. in places that they couldn't have had and they were strategically placed. It it was horrific. And then I knew we were dealing with an incubus and a succubus spirit Mm -hmm. and these spirits, these demons were tormenting her. Riley, tough conversation, not a comfortable one and certainly one that I've been advised not to have and I don't care. We're going to have it because it's real and people are being tormented sometimes by demons of their own making, but oftentimes by these, this, these spirits, it's just real. Do you want to Can talk I about something? Yeah, I don't please. know why this is
2: making me think of that film that we went and saw the Jesus revolution at that church a few days ago and how basically, I don't, what was the time frame? In the seventies. In the seventies, how... Chuck Smith. When all of this started, all of these kids, it all started with marijuana and LSD. And all of these kids just, they were all searching for the same thing. And they were all searching Mm -hmm. for truth and were not finding it in the things that they were doing. Anyways, he he circles back around. For truth,
1: relationship, meaning, connection. But it's true. But ultimately, they were seeking truth.
2: And he circled back around to look at the times we're in now. Again, marijuana is... Drugs. People smoke marijuana more than they smoke cigarettes these days. And it's legal. And Mm -hmm. LSD as well too. And again, the same thing. Everyone, my generation, everyone's just searching for the truth. And I don't. What I lived in the last two years, I don't know how much more true that that can get. And just realizing the things. Well, yeah, just the things that I realized of what I opened myself up to. This was the repercussions, and I don't know if it's going to manifest like that through Explain everyone that. else. Explain that. Just opening myself up to drugs and just doing that so frequently, all of the portals that I pretty much opened up. Yeah, pharmacia, pharmacy, sorcery, and so the translation of that word. Right? To me, everything that's happened makes
1: sense. I
2: opened myself up to all of that. And,
1: and those were from the sins of commission, the conflict you had within yourself. You committed, you opened yourself up to those things. And the reality is there's a spiritual world out there. And if you don't have control of your mind, your heart, your will, your conscience, your feelings, your senses, you're inviting in these other entities that coexist with us in this quantum field of energy. We see them, we measure them, we understand them. It's a matter of fact... Everybody here, whether they believe in God or not, step into circumstances and say things like, that's dark. I was really uncomfortable. I don't know why. I I always walk in my home with no problem, but this particular day, something was wrong. In The Gift of Fear, the first opening chapters of that book, which is phenomenal, he talks about this. And you know what people are feeling and experiencing? Darkness, the presence of darkness, the presence of demons, whether they're inhabiting people or a place. I have certainly stepped into many, many situations that I thought, "Uh uh-uh, something's wrong here. That is something I want to help people become aware of. It's an uncomfortable conversation, but that is significant to understand in the stages of healing. Some wounds we inflict upon ourselves, some wounds we inherit, but some wounds are inflicted upon us by entities and things we don't understand. And, and I think... I'll talk about that for a minute.
2: Yeah. I don't know if this is going to answer what you were saying, but it just made me think about just this entire past year has really been a fight, just like the example that you just gave with hoarders and cleaning out a house. I feel like the first year we got the house clean, and the second year is maintaining that clean and there's just always things constantly that are trying to come in, get in, and dirty up the house again. And I feel like I constantly have to be on guard for what I am or am not allowing in.
1: Well, they make holes we don't know are there. We get in through, if they get in through foundations, they get into, you know, little spots in the roof. And so we had to figure out where all those openings are. And we've closed, you're closing them. Yeah, but, but it's a,
2: it. to me, I think... It's a never ending thing. And I know you've mentioned this sometime in the past.
1: It feels like a never ending thing, but well, yeah, it is. It's a muscle.
2: Ending. And you have to build that muscle. And eventually they're just not even going to. Well,
1: it's a sensitivity and awareness that it, this stuff's real.
2: Oh, yeah. Just for me, that's something all the time. I'm constantly asking is what I'm doing, is this going to open up a door okay, to allow something to come in? And if it does am i willing to suffer the consequences of that yeah and i feel like this entire year it's really been a battle of me finally saying enough is enough Mm -hmm. how much longer are you willing to just torture yourself for nothing you don't have to live like this
1: Mm -hmm. so you're weighing the costs of the choices and the decisions and maybe the temptations is that what you mean? You're weighing the cost to say, if I give in to this urge, this thing. Right, this
2: weighing the cost, but also at the same time, I feel like I'm this... The Weighing the cost because I know that this is what's blocking me from the relationship that I want and I know that I have with God, is right. giving in to these temptations.
1: Mm-hmm. So Weighing the cost, yeah. Do you have a
0: recent right example of this that you'd be open to, to tell the listeners? So, for example... The other day, I went to
2: dinner with a friend, and I was just talking with her, and she, out of nowhere, was like, Oh my gosh, have you ever seen blah, 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 this movie? And I was like, "Mm, I don't think so. And then she started describing the main character, and she was like, You remind me of her so much. And I'm like, That's weird. And then I started thinking, I started watching this show like, a while back. I remember. And I made it through one episode, and basically, the main character, um, she had a seemingly perfect life, you know, married with kids, great job, great family, but she kept, and I mean, I didn't really watch the full thing, but just in the episode, she kept fantasizing about this ex-boyfriend that she had, and just the... Wild. Wild, sexual experiences that they had together and she kept living in those memories and then would go back with him and anyway so she's describing my friend is telling me oh my gosh you remind me of this girl i'm like that's a little far-fetched that's ridiculous but then as i was driving home it got me thinking about like i'm even nervous even talking about it right now
1: i remember when you watched it Um, i came home and i could there was a change in
2: your countenance Anyways, I'm on my way home and I'm like thinking about our conversation. And I'm like, oh my gosh, maybe it is kind of accurate. And then I start thinking about my own story, my own experiences with a person. And I let myself go back into that place in time and just fantasize about X, Y, and Z. And then I remember going to bed that night. And the next morning I just woke up with a ton of anxiety and just feeling like I was in severe pain, like I yep. had been raped that
1: night. Yeah, you did. So, I mean, that's and, a little and bizarre. And I would add that you were physically sick as well.
2: Yeah. And so for me, and I know it's not like that for everyone, but...
1: No, it is like that for everyone. What you're describing is like that for Maybe it is, 100%. but maybe not
2: to that the extent of the things that
1: happened to me because i don't you know
2: i don't hear everyone talk about this like happening to them all the time
1: i will tell you people don't talk about it but it's, it's it's taboo that's right but they're not talking about it but this is exactly what happens because that conversation opened a portal the portal triggered your entire central nervous system it engaged your soul and your soul ultimately decided your mind, your heart, your will, your conscience. I'm going to engage that memory because it makes me feel good. So the war between your spirit and your soul right there, that's the point of engagement. Mm -hmm. And you had an opportunity to shut that door. And instead you do what we all do. Well, and it made you feel good. And so you open that door and you indulge that memory. But I'll tell you what happened, not just the day after, but two, three, four, five days after and up to two weeks after manifested in other traumatic encounters and experiences you have had.
2: Yeah, I mean, basically, that conversation led to me entertaining thoughts of past experiences, which led to just going deeper down that rabbit hole. hole. And like you had said, indulging in the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. And basically, the repercussions of that led to weeks of all of the things that I spent a year fighting and battling at night coming back in again.
1: But here's the beauty of what you're saying. You caught it while it was happening. You were able to identify it. You were able to reason through it. You were able to wrestle with it for two, three weeks. You were able to again, experience the manifestation of physical demons Mm -hmm. manifesting, tormenting you again. But you know what? You didn't stay there. You knew what to do.
2: And for me, that's the constant thing that I'm weighing out. Because in those moments, yes, I'm praying to God. And I'm like doing my best to overcome this. But am I going to trust in God that I can't overcome this? Or am I just going to give into it and be happy for whatever amount of time? It brings me
1: pleasure. And that's such an important point you made. Because at the end of the day, if these battles could be won in the flesh, we'd be winning them. Right. But you're beginning to now recognize and mature, mature and heal in the understanding that it's not by might or by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Mm-hmm. So when you invite that personal, intimate relationship into your life. Mm hmm. Right with God, that personal intimate experience and relationship with God that I think is in the person of Christ because he's the only person who said that's why he came, so we could have that. I have witnessed the power and the authority that we've had to completely silence the trauma of those very experiences as these incubus and succubus spirits assault you in real time. I've witnessed it, I've seen it, I even have it on film. And I'm going to be honest with you, Riley, should I not have had to encounter you in the state you were in, exhaust every resource we had, medical resource we had, and still see something overcome you that I'd never witnessed before, I wouldn't speak as boldly as I do about be careful how you violate your conscience. Be be careful the doors you open. Because you could be opening the doors to spirits and entities that will indwell you. They can't possess you, but they will give you hell and they'll come in and out and you'll feel crazy and you're going to do things that are insane that you thought, I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe I'm saying this, but those things are real and they have names.
2: But I just want to make a point from a practical standpoint I feel like I've won, I've gotten so much better and so much stronger at overcoming these things, but it is a constant battle. And in the moment I have to weigh out, you know, the five minutes of pleasure for my flesh, or am I going to trust in God that he has something better for me that's going to be much more sustaining and fulfilling than just pleasing my flesh momentarily?
1: Yeah, moments of flesh pleasure or months and years of torment, and that's a legitimate I think everybody listening can relate to that. Absolutely. Count the cost. The words count the costs keep coming to me. We have to count the cost of the
0: decisions we make. Well, and something that came to me just listening to all of this, I don't know if people listen to Halsey or not at all, but she is a very popular music artist out there. But in her song Graveyard, which I find it interesting that it's called Graveyard, she says in her bridge, she says, Oh, it's funny how the warning signs can feel like they're butterflies. So you think, you know, having these thoughts, you feel good, right? We were talking about that a second ago. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's good to go down that road, right? It might feel good in the moment, but again, you are fulfilling something that your flesh is telling you to fulfill. But uh, like what Riley's doing and, and still mastering and what I'm mastering is Thinking about the consequences of of what that's going to bring about, how it's phys- physically going to manifest in your body, how it's going to manifest in your relationships, and in your relationship with God, too.
2: Yeah, and that's what I'm discovering has been the biggest hindrance to my relationship with God, is when I do these things, these things are pulling me farther away mm-hmm. and blocking my conversations with Him.
1: I love it. Um, I love it. I love this whole discussion. Demons <laughs> are fallen angels. And angels were made to worship. So the closer you get to the light, the more appealing you'll be to them. And the sense that they come after you with, especially when you're coming out of the dark. Well, in the level of
2: screw tape letters, it talks about towards the end, you know, they try and try and try. And then they get to a point where they realize you're strong That's enough. right. And that they will not win. They just stop. They yep. give up.
1: I think I want, Natalie, as we're closing this segment, I want people to understand that it's okay to live in hell and to recognize you're living in hell. And it's going to feel like hell getting out of hell Mm -hmm. because the reality of the fight that we live in, and we're all aware of this, right? Mm -hmm. Everything feels like a fight because to some extent it is. The fight is for this little piece of territory right here in the center cavity of your chest. The the fight is is for what will have dominion over you or what you will have dominion over. And that's the fight for governance of this beautiful temple, this primary sphere of influence, right? When we get married, that's the first real primary sphere of influence outside of ourselves is the family, the marriage, institution of marriage. The second sphere of influence is our institutions of faith. And the third divine institution is civil government to protect all those fears from intervention. And we have a form of civil government established to protect the dignity of the human being and those institutions. And not to get deep into that, but this conversation about, gosh, living in hell, to some extent, we're watching the manifestation of the confusion, chaos, and dis-ease that hell ushers into our lives, Right. right? Some because of decisions we made, Others because of decisions our parents made, but then others because for whatever reason, maybe our parents, maybe yes, portals were open and generational, maybe ancestors. And we're dealing with things we don't fully understand. And we love this conversation at rest because we see what's on the other side of this and it is freedom and the capacity to self-govern and you broke it down as well as it can be broken down right now for the place you're in. But I want to keep having this discussion with you.
2: Yeah, I'm still processing a lot. But I feel like I'm at the end of I feel like I'm at like with the year three, like with what you had. I don't know if you're gonna talk about that at some point. We're next segment. But I feel like I'm kind of at the end of this second phase and pushing into a growth phase.
1: Which is rest and peace and freedom. We're gonna be talking about that next time. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks, Riley. This was a tough discussion. Thank you. I hope it was clear. It is. Throwing me into these things. I want to invite (laughs) people to do our modules because so much of what we talk about makes sense. But thank you, Natalie. Thank you.